Radio. I'm your host, Super Vegan Brian, and I'm joined by Curse Smart Parka. Hola. Think about the third. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everybody. God damn, guys. Seriously. <laughs> and um, so um, our guest is one of my players. Well, one of my co-players in um, role-playing game in the Pathfinder game I am currently playing. We are joined by Matt. Um, Matt, um, you've never been on our show before. How would you like to introduce yourself? All right, thanks. And thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Matt, Matt Belanger. Uh I am Canadian. I uh, have been uh, role-playing for a little over 20 years, I think, dating back to the AD&D uh, second edition days. Um, and I think one of the reasons we're, we've got a topic going today was because of how my passion for movies. I've been either collecting movies or working in video stores since I was 10. So that's about uh, a little over 30 years now. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that sounds like Marcus. My friend what? Marcus has been doing the same thing. What, what's your thacko, bro? Uh, my my thacko is um i i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be like like egotistic and say it's a negative number i think it would be more like eight (laughs) (laughs) that's fair that's fair i mean i only give myself like a four i'm not i'm not great oh you have a pretty good thacko then I don't know. My FICO score is like almost 800. <laughs> I was disappointed that Taco hasn't come uh, that, uh, come back in some form or another uh, in, in one of the editions since second edition. So uh, one of our characters oh did build a character once uh, that, that was called Taco. That's so great. That was, uh, that was a nice little callback. Is there... Is there well okay we're 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 gonna get into topic eventually so but uh, so our topic today is media um, movies and media and other things that influence tabletop RPGs but first but first we're gonna play everybody's favorite game what's nerdy with you where everybody talks about the nerdiest thing they've done in the last two weeks and we vote using the patented Mike Myler widget system so I didn't warn you about this before Matt. Um, but as our guest, you get to go first. Always. So, so what's been nerdy with you in the past few weeks? Uh, I, I'm not sure what the widget system is, but... Uh, oh, I, oh yeah. don't, don't worry. Don't oh, worry. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nerdiest thing about me in the last couple of weeks, uh, I, I've just been diving into, uh, or back into movie collecting. Uh, I have a pretty uh, sizable collection of, uh, of Blu-rays and DVDs and movies uh, that, that I've been collecting for some time. And I've just been joining a whole bunch of uh, chat groups and uh, Facebook groups and just finding new stores to, uh, to to collect that sort of media. So, I mean, what, I've just been diving into that. What's the crowning glory of your collection? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, just the, 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 the display of the collection, I would say. My, my wife uh, convinced me to move out to the, uh, to the, the country by uh, telling me I could build my own theater. 
and then I can build my shelves around it. So I, I have about 2,500 uh, movies in the collection, and uh, the, just finding space for that has been uh, always uh, difficult. But that's, the, the theater Fair. itself is a is a big, uh, big Fair, thing. but if if someone comes over and goes, "Hey, show me your show me you know your best movie," what do you pull out? Because I never actually say best movie. I, yeah, with twenty five hundred movies, how do you do that? Um, well, <laughs> what's your? Is that, but I'm not a meritocracy kind of guy when it comes to movies. It depends on my mood. It depends on what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. What's your What's your theater? People always ask me what my favorite movie is, so I, I, I've never been able to answer that question. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how how deep it goes, but some people are into rarity and other things. So, what's your theater yeah, collection I mean, like? At your theater setup. Sorry, theater multiple story. questions. What's your theater setup? Uh, it's two rows of four, 106-inch uh, screen, and uh, I, I use a company called Display to, to put a bunch of metal posters on the wall. Nice. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, the, the, I like that part of it. I've been trying to collect a bunch of movie memorabilia to go with it, but uh, it's very Star Wars heavy, which much to my wife's dismay. Um, uh, it's not intentional. It's just that there's an abundance of Star Wars everything, I mean, everywhere I, I go. I don't see anything wrong with that. Nobody does. Therefore, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> hundred and six inch screen. Yeah. Well, Brian, uh, do you need a minute? Screen. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> is it so? What kind of pro- is it? A projector or a projected TV or? Yeah, it's projector. Oh wow, Brian, are you having a crisis? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you're all right. Oh, that's so <laughs> cool. That I mean, oh, I haven't heard gosh. him this excited in a long well, time. I didn't know that. Oh, that's so cool. I've, well, I've had a dream of setting up like a theater with a projector for a long time. I didn't know this about Matt, so I, I'm i absolutely blown away. That is so cool. Uh, and 2,500 movies. That wow, knocks my sense chuffed. Yeah. Roughly about 600 seasons of TV shows as well. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, goodness. Yeah, they, they're in chronological order. They date back to the early 1900s and all the way up until today. Oh, wow. What's your oldest movie? Oh, it would have been... Uh, Man on the Moon, I think it is. That's the name of it. Or, you know, I also have The Great Train Robbery, the one that scared all those people in the theater because they didn't realize that the train wasn't actually going to hit them. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, I've seen The the Man on the Moon. That's cool. That's really cool. That's just, it's just, um, you know, we're, we're used to having nerdy people on and they share their nerdy interest in the thing they've been working on. But when you shared that, that's like the kind of shit they put in documentaries and, and, <laughs> and you know, someone could write a book about your collection <laughs> that's really cool yeah it's referred to as Netflix amongst the nerd <laughs> that's good uh i guess we're on to oh my god david how are you gonna follow that what's been nerdy with you well i went to Strategicon over labor day weekend so that was pretty nerdy um and then yeah other than that i've just been here slowly sweating to death uh, Strategicon was great. Uh, I got to play. Uh, I got to play an adventure, a fifth ed adventures league game. Got to play a couple of Pathfinder games, uh, first edition, and then I got to play some minis on Saturday and Sunday. It was fun. Uh, no big giant epic multi day miniatures war this time. No, they were two separate battles. We did a Napoleonic on Saturday and a World War II on Sunday. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, World War II uh, was a fiasco from the start. We were doing a fifteen millimeter representation of part of the. Uh, Operation Barbarossa, where uh, uh, Germany invaded Russia. So the battlefield was in modern-day Ukraine, and due to a glitch with the handouts that were given to the teams, the Russians were shooting at like 85% instead of the somewhat accurate uh, mathematical representation they should have been shooting at of about 20%. So it was a bloodbath. But... (laughs) 
So did it did it alter history or did it land the? Oh same yeah, way no, it? the Germans got wiped off the board. It was, <laughs> uh, it, was it was a route. I I lost I lost half my forces before the second term was over. I'm not even joking. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a bloodbath, and they and we played the whole thing out anyways, and I got halfway towards my objective and mathematically could not continue because my morale sank so low because of all the losses. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So Yeah, that was fun. But uh, Saturday we played Napoleonics and that was interesting. So yeah, that's the nerdy thing I did. I learned a little bit about the Napoleonic War in Austria. Actually, it is in Northern Italy against the Austrians. But uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, Erica, what's, uh, what's been nerdy with you? I'm oh, sorry, Matt. What'd you say? I was just saying that I, I I knew neither one of those games. So, it's, uh, but I'm 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 happy that the Germans lost. And well, we were, were well the rule set we we're using for the World War II was a modified version of Crossfire called uh, Gerpanzerfaust, and then um, the rules we were running for uh, on the Napoleonic was a rule set called La Batille, uh, and then the game we were playing was with actual miniatures on the on the, the table. It was a lot of fun. Listeners and hosts, we will have to give Matt a little leeway because sometimes he has a little bit of lack. So um, he'll he might accidentally talk when someone else is because when he's talking, nobody's talking, and then it just pops in later. So we'll just yeah. give him a little leeway to just in case that happens. <laughs> well, look, pulling yeah, his apologies. signal all the way from Canada through the extranational portal, we got to give a little leeway for the distance. <laughs> um, Erica, so what was nerdy with me? Um, I don't know. Kind of a bunch of little things. Can I say a bunch of little things? You always do. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Um, so, uh, very exciting. I found a coven that I really like. And so I've joined a coven. So that was fun. Um, for me, that's a first. I haven't been able to find other people that aren't. You joined a coven? Yeah. Yeah. Like legitimately? Yeah. That's awesome. What does yeah. legitimately mean? Does that mean she like signed contracts for this coven? <laughs> no, I. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> well, I'm used to Erica being a bit of a loner and not, not really, not really reaching out. That's kind of cool. I mean, you've had bad opinions of a lot of the a lot of the community that you've met in the past. Yeah, you've mentioned yeah. before that it's it's tough to find good people. So that's awesome. I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it it really is. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say that I think that's that's one of the best things about uh, about hobbies and, and and finding your geek is that uh, you you will eventually find uh, something else and uh, find find a way to be social and, and make it that way or not if and, and if that's your thing too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is pretty hard to find. There's so the thing about Wicca is people are usually like. They're in it because it's uh, it's against what mommy and daddy want. So there's that. There's the people are in it because, you know, they want to be different or cool. And then some people are in it and they just have like really negative energy that they put in the world. And I've had a very hard time finding anybody that like their energy is good and they're not in it for like the wrong reasons and stuff like that. So for me, that was really, really exciting. Um the other thing I've been doing is a lot of gardening. I've like upped my gardening game. So nice. yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot more work than you think it is. There's a lot of stuff you got to learn about all the different types of plants and like tomatoes, for instance, like each variety needs something completely different between like the pH of your soil and the amount of water and the whole thing. So, I mean, that's been really exciting. 
Um, I'm going to, I'm learning today how to make chili relleno from scratch, Bri. So, Oh, FYI. congrats. Um, Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know what kind of batter you come up with and how you fry them. I'm, I'm there. There's a whole debate between pan fried and deep fried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to try air fry. So I'm going to crisp the edges in the pan so that it's not soggy when it goes in the air fryer. And then I'm going to finish it in the air fryer is what I'm going to try today. Yeah, let so, me know how they come out. I, I, I think they can come out a little dry, but I, I, I would assume I haven't tried this. So I want to see how they how they come out. I love chili rellenos. Oh, I know you do. That's what I'm telling you. Are you going to um, freeze the cheese? Oh, well, yeah. OK. That way it doesn't get too gooey too fast. Yeah. Oh, we so, need to do another food episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then my last thing is I binge watch uh, Sandman on Netflix um, and then remembered how much I loved the book. So I went back and read the book and then I read the second book, which I had not previously read before. So, um, yay. Th those are all my little nerdy things that I did. Nothing big, nothing like, you know collecting movies for 20 years and having my own theater, but you know, little tiny things. So Brian, what was nerdy with you? I, I want to comment real quick. Um, speaking of Sandman. So, um, mm -hmm. one of our, um, one of our patrons, Mike mentioned that when we did our comic book episode, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about Sandman and we never did. So mm -hmm. Erica and I will be on another episode where we'll make sure we talk about Sandman because I yeah. really wanted to, and we didn't. So, um, and I think we can get into it deeply because both of us have Sandman experience ages ago, yeah. and now the show, and um, now rereading them. Yeah, let yes. me know when you're going to do that ahead of time, and I'll watch the show. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool, yeah. The, uh, oh, it's fantastic. Anyway, for me, nerdy. Um, okay, I was kind of dreading Erica being here this week because of this nerdy thing. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. What? Um, I have to tell a story, and I hate telling these stories when Eric is here because she makes fun of me. Um, ah. So um, Heather and I went to Rose City Comic Con yesterday, okay. and this story is not about what happened at the con, it's about what happened after. So um, mm -hmm. we went to Rose City Comic Con, had a fun time, walked around, checked out vendors. Nice. Um, you know, we're, we're going back today. We're going back after the show today. Um, so um, we... Our con view is we walk around, don't worry about staying all day, do things. If there's anything cool to do, do it. And then leave. <laughs> we don't burn ourselves out. We're you know what you need adults. to do? Yeah. You know what you need to do? You know what you need to do? What? Take some Facebook Live photos for the people on Facebook. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I, so there is a whole... There is a whole nother story about why it's hard to do that, um, but I will not out that on the show. I'll, I'll talk to you about that later and maybe mention on the Patreon show. Um, okay. But um, so after the, um, after the event, um, we decided to go get food and we were checking out this restaurant called Butterfly Belly in Portland that we've never gone to before. It's an Asian uh, fusion, mostly Vietnamese restaurant, but it's 100% gluten-free. We're really excited about that. Um, what happened at that restaurant was absolutely amazing. Um, so we sat down, the owner of the place came up and he's a big goofball. And he, he was so funny cause we wanted to get the whole squid and he, 
he he did the you're too white to order that thing <laughs> but he did it in a polite way he was like are you sure you want it because i'm sure people send it back and we were like no we know what we're about we'll we'll get the whole squid we'll, we enjoy that kind of thing so he is goes, that the one where it dances where you put the soy sauce on it no okay um no that that's different this is just grilled squid but gotcha. it's, you know it's a big giant thing on the plate and I guess it, it has tentacles and sometimes people order it not realizing it and then they send it back. Mm. Um, so we did that and we did fried calamari too and egg rolls, you know, the kind of gluten-free. And the, 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 um, the owner was funny because he was like, you ordered all the things that the celiac people always order. <laughs> I wonder um, why. <laughs> but this is the crazy thing. So the owner comes up just out of nowhere and goes, normally we do. Normally we do karaoke at last call, but since there's not a lot of people here, you, you want to sing karaoke? And I'm like, I, I, I guess. All right. And this sounds like you're making it up at this point. No, no, no he's this, not making it I up. Believe, no, no, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying this sounds like a story. So he pulled me up and I go, I guess I'll do creep by Radiohead. And he's like, oh yeah, the, the most popular karaoke song. That's great. Oh my okay. God. You'll sing creep by Radiohead. So Creep comes on, I start singing it. Halfway through the song, the owner runs up and grabs an electrical guitar and starts playing along. Oh my god. It was the most bizarre freaking thing. After that, um, I went back to eating, and he comes up and goes, when are you ready to do an encore? And I'm like, I guess I'll do Like a Stone by Audio Slave. Oh my god. He goes, I don't know that one. Go ahead. And he puts it on, and I sing that. And then... Um, he didn't play along to that one because he didn't know it. But then, um, at the end of our meal, we're, I'm getting ready to check out and he goes, no, before you leave, we have to do a duet. And I'm like, we're done. And he's like, no, no, you got to sing with me again. I'm like, okay. And we did memories by Maroon 5. I have never sang that song before. And he played the guitar and sang along with me. And that was the most I had a lot of fun. It was so cool singing oh that song. I've never sang that song live. Um, I want to do it again. Um, okay. So seriously, I, the only reason I know you're not making this up is I know you, but this sounds like something you make up to sound impressive to people. It, it, yeah. It was such a weird thing. I I told I told Heather, I'm like, I w- this would have been one of the happiest days ever just having this amazing gluten-free meal, but I'm like... Like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> it's like angels sent that to happen. It was such like, a weird... Um, I talked to the owner, and he said normally they do karaoke at closing, but since there were only a few young people in the restaurant and it was kind of empty, he decided to do a little early to make things fun. Mm. Um, Who was this guy? His name was... Did you just have like an encounter with someone super famous that you don't know or <laughs> No, um his name was I don't want to get his name wrong because it was like a okay, then it was tell a per- me later. it was it's a hard fine. to pronounce name. It was a hard That's to fine. pronounce name and I don't remember it correctly. It was don't, like don't, yeah. You don't have to shout him out. We can talk about it yeah. after. Well, no, it's not that I don't mind shouting him out because it, you know, it's a public restaurant. I just don't want to butcher the name. Um okay. the yeah, it was cool. It was uh, the food was good and we had a little entertainment experience, but it was Boy, that was a weird. And I hate telling these stories about around Erica because Erica says that I'm the person that this stuff always happens to. I mean, yeah, that is. Because you're the person that this stuff Luck. always happens to. This is why Brian Luck is a real thing and it exists. Yep. Uh, this I'm was, a firm believer. This was probably one of the coolest Brian Luck experiences. I I really appreciated it. It was so fun. Anyway, um, because it's 
it's because it's a supernatural occurrence. I'm happy to disqualify myself from the game, but we have to vote now. <laughs> so, um, um, so the way this works is everyone gets five widgets, and you just hand them out to the people that you think did nerdy things, or it doesn't have to be non-biased. I mean, you can you can rig the game. You can give them to yourself. Um, this is just a game to have fun on the podcast. So, Matt, you have five widgets. Who would you like to give them to, and why? Jeez, um, I, I, I have, uh, I'm not, in I'm going to give two to Erica, two to Yay. Brian, and one to David. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that is very diplomatic of you. <laughs> and David, <laughs> what would you like to, how would well, you Brian, like to distribute yours? Brian, you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> you get three widgets, lucky, lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, and then Matt is going to get my remaining two widgets because theater is awesome. And Erica. Um, hmm. I'm going to give all my widgets to Matt. And right. Matt's going to win by a giant landslide because that's what I'm doing too. Yay! <laughs> Yay! I, it, you know, you talk about having a movie collection in a theater and it's like, you're talking to someone and then it's like, no, they have the movie collection. <laughs> that happened at a party once. Someone was just uh, w- 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 was really talking smack about the, the, the. There was two collectors there, and they were just like, "Oh man, yeah, no, I, th- this guy has uh, has slightly more movies than either, but, but we have more movies than anybody else." And, and I'm just like, "Oh yeah, I collect too." And uh, and they were saying, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, but I, people say that all the time, and then they show up with like 50 movies. I have like 400 movies, so I mean, like, please, they're, 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 we're collectors. And I'm just like, at the time, I was at 2,000, but just like, yeah. I'd, I have 2,000 guys, that's, that's, and, and I gave him a little a recap of some of the highlights, like you guys were asking before, before, before you know, dating back to the 1900s. <laughs> I have all the best picture winners of all time, and that sort of thing. But, uh, and uh, and they were just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, you remind me, the reason you got all my widgets is you remind me of my friend Marcus. He has been working um, at the movie theater <laughs> and at a video store since we were in high school. I think he was like 14 when he started at the video store or something like that. And he has that type of collection. He doesn't have a theater like you do just because he uh, doesn't have a house anymore. But when he had a house, he had an entire basement theater with like movies wall to wall. And then he also collects action figures. Like, I mean, all the Spider-Man Venoms, like, I mean, action figures like and again a whole he had a whole nother room in his house devoted to the action figures so um that's all in storage right now because he's in the middle of trying to get another house but yeah when you were like i have blah 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 i was like oh he's just like my best friend marcus i was like he gets all my widgets well i'll take the widgets i, I, wasn't, uh, the, I appreciate right. the uh, the reference to marcus though well luckily yeah. um <laughs> i've been assured by our friend that they will clear customs this time so however long it takes an international shipment to get to you they're on their way yeah they'll uh, a whirling vortex of energy will appear above your home um to to deliver the widgets don't worry it only lasts for a year or so <laughs> <laughs> uh so they might speaking- be slightly acidic Speaking of movies, uh, so back in the early days of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, um, Gary Gygax had an appendix at the end of his book called Appendix N. And what that was, was a list of media 
that influences role play. And, you know, that can be movies or books or I think back then it was mostly books, um, but different role playing game companies have done appendix ends. I think they did one in Starfinder not that long ago to help people kind of get used to a fantasy sci-fi game. Um, and, you know, it, it lets you inspire or um, maybe kind of get an idea of what the setting is kind of like if you're not really familiar with fantasy or whatever genre of game you're playing. Uh, but there's also, you know, people play music when they game or they make characters based on their favorite anime character. There's all sorts of media influence on role playing. Um, I have a feeling this will probably be mostly focused on movies, but this can go in any direction we want. Uh, I am the starter of this. What questions did I come up with? Something, something RPGs, something, something <laughs> fantasy, <laughs> uh, gaming, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, Matt, um, yeah. what what inspires you the most for um, role-playing? What, what kind of media pops into your head when you think of um, tabletop role-playing games? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously movies uh, the, in general, but uh, the, for, for, for me, it, it, I, I, I could just be watching a TV show or a movie and just get inspired to start building a character. Uh, and that, that's one way of normally doing it. Uh, the, the other way would be I have an idea of my, in my head of playing, you know, let's say, rogue and uh, and i'm just okay well i don't know what type of rogue but I, i've never played a rogue so i just want to say let's do that and then i just start picking movies off the internet or picking movies out of my collection and saying okay here's a smattering of you know rogue type characters that i want to pick and i'll just start binge watching and then as i'm watching them i start fleshing it out a bit more so movies in general are how how i get inspired from that sort of thing and uh, just picking ideas uh, from, uh, out of my head and then just sort of fleshing them out from other people's ideas and characters and so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> yeah? Uh, so, uh, I, I said, oh, that's cool. I can relate to that, too. I must have accidentally hit mute. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the I um, I think that was my original influence was, like, you know, things like um, things like Conan and stuff like that. I saw when I was a kid influenced oh, me yeah. into fantasy. Totally. Or the animated Hobbit, I think, is the most. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I love those. The animated, like from like the seventies, the animated Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I've got those. Um, yeah, and, and, and I know they're not; those weren't easy to find either. Um, but <laughs> but they're like like finding stuff like that. Even some anime, like there's a. I don't know if anybody on the call will actually know Record of Lotus War, but that was a huge uh, influence. Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, on me when I first started playing as well. So that is one um, of the and, only animes I have really watched a lot of. Yeah, that is a that is a deep <laughs> cut. But even I've I've heard of that one. There you go. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like there's stuff like that. Where and and uh, I always want to go for the for the typical ones. Like if I'm playing a barbarian, I want to go for Conan. But I want to find some you know not so typical ones and see if I can find a different type of barbarian that to sort of make it not always. The cookie cutter one, you know, but like Conan's a great, a great example of because he's got that uh, that rogueness to him as well, uh, not just the typical barbarian. What's what's funny of um, what's funny is um, Record of Lotus War as an inspiration for RPGs is the the original the original novels that were put together for it. They were based on um, a world for rules free RPG. That's one of the craziest things. That. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that either. Interesting. Yeah, Record of Lotus War has an RPG inspiration behind it, which is yeah, hmm. interesting. Um, so Matt, your your turn to ask David a question. 
All right. Um, so I, I will go uh, the, maybe a little bit away from uh, from movies for a second, as it's uh, mm-hmm. media in general. But um, what music, David? What music uh, is best for gaming? Or inspires your game? Um, well, it depends on the game you're playing. I find uh, there are some really nice uh, music channels. I, I, I use Amazon Prime Music because I, I, I use Prime, so I might as well. Uh, and they have a couple of really nice um, stations that play um, just like background tracks and background music and the stuff you hear in like movies and stuff the, the music from some of the more famous ones um i can't think of names off the top of my head but i guarantee you've heard them before <laughs> hall of the mountain king uh kind of it's more like um uh they used one of, uh, in they used one and i think one of the lord of the rings movies and then uh top gear used the same music track during an episode and i was like holy shit i've heard that before <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, and I, so, you know, fantasy settings, depending on where you are a lot of the times, I, and I find sometimes that a little background noise helps keep people focused and in character and less, uh, less, um, um, prone to distraction. It's interesting because I've never, I, I've never thought that way up until my, the most recent campaign uh, where I picked up GME again, uh, and one of my characters actually asked for it. Um, so I, I started tooling around with, uh, uh, we use Roll20 for our virtual game, mm-hmm. and Roll20 has, uh, has a music media built into it. So I started going through their jukebox, and uh, it, 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 was, it was an interesting of prep that I'd never done before as a GM mm-hmm. to just say, okay, well, here's here are the characters, here are the here are the big bad guy, guys that I want to do. Here's the adventure that feel that I want for the next couple of sessions, and then to add on and to help with that feel. Here's that the, the music I want to go with it, uh, or sometimes it actually inspired where I wanted to go. So I mean, like some of the best music that I found was very horror themed. So the mm-hmm. first four levels were a bit more undead heavy than uh, than I had expected originally. Right. No, I get it, and it's it's not something I did very much at all until recently too i only started like a year year and a half ago trying to add music where i can or um youtube also has several you could just type in uh if you're in like a swamp or something ambient swamp and you'll get a five-hour track of just swamp swamp noise (laughs) i have such a different relationship with music and gaming when i have memories of us when we used to when i first started playing role-playing games of us having tool undertow or anima or nine inch nails downward spiral playing in the background while we played like we did tons of that where we would just have the radio playing downward spiral on repeat the entire album while we played D. yeah okay. mine was mine was similar mine was marilyn manson mm. so yeah nowadays usually no game. music but <laughs> that is a very huh? aggressive that sounds like a very aggressive uh games gameplay style <laughs> Like, and I understand it. It, it. Again, it depends on the game. Like, if, if I was playing a cyberpunk game, hell yeah, I'd have, you know, the high, you know, thrash metal going. And it's, 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 like, it's all situational based on where you're, if you're trying to immerse care, you're, you know, to me, it doesn't help to have, you know, you're in a dungeon and you're listening to top 40 hits or whatever. It, just, it doesn't. Uh... Oh, it depends on the dungeon. Fair. Oh. <laughs> that is a fair point. No, you got to make that. I, I, that, that will inspire me. You, because if you can make the right Funhouse dungeon, playing Never Gonna Give You Up in the background could be very appropriate. Oh, God. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? What has science done? You know, it's like, it's like you have three doors to choose from. Choose right, adventurer, and you pick the door, and it's like, we're no strangers to love. <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> That's okay. Um, 
Brent, uh, when Chris was proposing to me, Brent created an entire dungeon built around the Bengals song, Eternal Flame. Ah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I knew that. I haven't heard that story in a long time. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I had no Definitely idea. A better song to have in your head. Yeah. 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 I had absolutely no idea. And I'm trying to solve the puzzle at the end of the dungeon. And I like, Brent goes, Chris, what do you think the answer is? And I like turn and look at him and he's got the ring there. And he's like, will you marry me? I was like, Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was so mad. I was like, well, yeah, but also fuck you all. (laughs) Because I had no idea. It was great. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, (laughs) uh, Man, I had a question and it just went poof. Shit. Uh, (laughs) Damn it. Well, you're not allowed Uh, to ask me any questions. I'm just going to interject this this episode. Oh, right. Okay. Um, So, Brian. Um, you okay. kind of already mentioned it. Well, no, I'm not going to ask that. Um, oh, that's right. Um, when you're designing a dungeon as a GM, are you a bigger fan of encounters or are you a bigger fan of traps and puzzles? Oh, wow. We're going to go in a different direction. Okay. Um, encounters or traps and puzzles. Uh, well, it has to do with it because a lot of them are in, you know, and yeah, there's so, follow-up questions. So I'm even on both, um, but I will share a little bit on my dungeon design ideas. Um, I like to focus on environment first. So I, when I, like, let's say I'm designing a dungeon that's room by room. Um, I will think, how am I going to describe this room in regards to senses? And I always pick one sense first. So either they're going to see something unusual, they're going to smell something interesting, they're going to hear something unusual. So, and then I'll build the room around that. So I go, okay, which sense am I going to use? I'll go taste and the first thing I'll say when they walk into that room is there's an acrid taste. And then I'll build either the trap or encounter around that sense. Okay. Okay. Um, I like so that. an acrid taste might be there's an ooze under a rock in the room when they search. And then there's treasure in that hollowed out spot where the ooze was. Um, or it could be a, um, a pH balance effect because there's a hidden, um, there's a hidden water area behind one of the walls and there's fish in there. Well, that's good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's an acronym. Okay. Yeah. No, I um, like it. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where I learned this. I'm sure it's just a combination of things I've read over time. Yeah. Um, well, like so I said, the follow-up question though: of when you're designing traps and stuff, where does that inspiration come from? Um, if I want to come up with a trap, I'll look at lists of things. Um, um, mostly, I use Grimtooth. Um, and I use okay. Grimtooth to inspire different things because um, I have the full collection and I'll, I'll go through them. Um, for people who don't know, Grimtooth Traps is an old school flying buffalo product. Oh, yeah. that is Very old. Setting neutral. I have all the old books plus and the... It is vicious and it is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> they did a 3.5 um, collection. Oh, yeah. It's me. Where they actually <laughs> added rules to them. Um, but the originals didn't have rules. I generally ignore the rules and just come up with what it's going to do. Uh, <laughs> right. It, you, I mean, Grimtooth traps go everywhere from harmless and annoying to instant death, no save, it, you shouldn't have opened that door type of trap. Um, but um, I think lately in design, um, I tend to come up with traps on my own that are like based on that sensory idea. Um, but I don't, like I said, I don't know where that came from. Um, I don't know if it was yeah. my idea. It, it's probably inspired by something. I think I probably read something in one of the Cobalt 
D- GM design um, guides that was like, make sure to notice senses. And then I came up with this formula of point out a smell, point out a taste, point out something you hear, dripping water. Um, a, you smell cookies, you know, telling a party that they smell cookies when they walk into a room. <laughs> He's like, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> with something that strange, I'll probably never explain it just to give the feeling of something unusual. But Right? I love, uh, see, I love I doing stuff like that. I will say something specific like that would just make me want cookies. As far as books or movies go for traps, I often think about Indiana Jones because yeah. you have to. Uh, that's the classic. Um, the problem is, is they've been troped to death, so people can see them coming sometimes. I I don't know. I think of the movie Thirteen Ghosts. That's there a really so good many one too. Awesome oh, traps wow, in yeah. There. The so I don't know if you guys have seen this but uh there's a uh, if, if if you're a pathfinder fan fans at all you probably know the youtube channel uh how it's played yes um mm-hmm. uh he he does a fantastic uh the the, the, the not a long series obviously because there's only there's only been a few sessions like this but he actually takes movie scenes and breaks them down by pathfinder 2e rules oh that's yeah, funny he takes he's... that indiana jones scene that's right yeah, uh, yeah. where he's where he's taking the idol for the first time and really just says okay well this is the role that he's doing here and here's the, 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 the here's how he approaches this and this is how so it, it really when i first watched those that that's really how the, the how the rules really sort of made sense to me as a gm uh you know not for the first time but really just sort of tied it in because of the two passions put together so i, oh, I, I i'm gonna have to reach out to him again uh He's a reoccurring guest. He's been on the show a couple of times. So um, we'll yeah. have to bring him back. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, the, um, I like that series. I like the the breaking things down um, into role-playing terms. He uh, the, the Watcher and the Water one, was that the, the big first one he did? The one from Lord of the Rings? Yeah, so? that was uh, the, yeah. the, yeah. Yeah. The, I, one thing that particular video told me is you can have tentacles attack a party from the water and you never have to explain where they're coming from. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, they kill the tentacles and they just retreat back into the water and you never know what the creature was or looked like. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I I go back to Goonies a lot for traps. Um, Ooh, and that's getting more and more, uh, more and more, especially for younger players, more and more uh, to ancient history to where they don't, uh, they haven't heard of them before. Now that we've asked um, everyone their questions and it goes to free but we're going to change this a little bit because erica isn't being asked questions so erica is going to ask a question to the entire table and then we'll go around the table answering that question Ooh, okay that's fair hmm. no okay <laughs> um so let's oh god there's so many different things i could ask hold on i gotta get my thoughts in order <laughs> ah you broke erica well done he didn't break me. That's I ridiculous. Know, okay, so any movie before 1980, what movie would you pick to build a campaign around? Wow. Okay, we'll start with Matt, go to David, and then me. Matt, you are free to say, I'm not ready yet, and move on to the next person. This is the the challenge round, Robin. I mean, it, <laughs> you're giving me about... 80 years worth of movies to pick a campaign uh, to, to build a campaign around. Uh, yeah, you get to pick what, whatever movie you would want to build a campaign around. Before 1980, I'm. Oh, uh, I'm going to. Uh, the, I, I can go first go if you'd the, like. No, I'm. I'm, I'm going to go with the the old Warner horrors. I'm going to go with uh, Bela Lugosi, Dracula, and uh, the, and Frankenstein and all that stuff. Uh, that's that's uh, good. That's that's the theme I'm going to go with. I think. That's that's great. Yeah, that's right for campaigning. They. 
Warner was about to do that uh, recently when they were trying to recreate the MCU uh, for, for for horror bad guys, but they, I think, when Dracula crashed and burned, uh, they stopped uh, <laughs> they stopped that real quick, and yeah. I think so did uh, the yeah. mummy as well. So uh, they didn't they didn't get it off the ground, but I I feel like that is definitely something that I'd uh, that I'd like to uh, bring all together, like, like they were trying to do into one campaign and uh, turn my uh, campaign into uh, the Monster Squad. I like that. All right. Yeah. Not yeah. bad at all. Um, I my answer for this, I've actually done this before, and uh, my answer is simple. It's a Star Wars campaign. We played uh, the revised core edition, which no, was Star Wars is three point five version. Star you Wars. absolutely can pick you Star Wars. Pick you Star said Wars. before nineteen eighty. No. Yes, I can. Oh my god! <laughs> he followed your rules. The reason I said be the reason I said before nineteen eighty is I wanted people to think outside the fucking box. <laughs> I'm sorry Did I broke I your rules. Did I hear Christ. something about fucking boxes? Oh, hey, Stolas. Oh. Um, hey, uh, Matt Stolas were he jumped in on us. I didn't even notice that. I've never didn't even notice that you joined. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm late. My alarm did not go off. It's all right. Uh, I'm, I'm Matt. <laughs> what did you want to share? I was just making a joke about and about when. Talking about uh, fucking boxes over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Um, shit, David, you, you are disqualified. Brian, what's yours? Wow. Okay. Oh, God. It's got to be a hit. Uh, uh, Jesus. A coin flip between Westworld and uh, Logan's Run. Okay. I'll I, take either of those. I like Logan's Run. Logan's Run's good. Um, I did. Oh, you know, um, the. Um, oh, God. What's that? Um, yeah, I like. I like Logan's Run for my my choice. Um, I, it's it it's harder for me because most of the fantasy and sci-fi movies I'm familiar with are in the '80s, but I have seen those. Oh God, Soylent Green would be a good one too. Yeah, yeah, that one. See, uh, I was thinking more along the lines of like I would either do something kind of like you were saying, Matt, like in the horror genre, but like House on Haunted Hill or something like that. Like, or I just do something completely completely different and like try to build like I don't know some like it hot like has nothing to do like remotely whatsoever with what we would generally consider sci-fi or fantasy but like how you would like put that type of story into a different you know campaign like I like I enjoy stuff like that are we talking about like sci-fi and fantasy movies we would put into like a D&D gang thing kind of thing yeah but pre-1980 Okay. Yeah, Star, so, and Star Wars doesn't count, apparently. Star okay. Wars doesn't count. So David keeps thinking. <laughs> oh, you told me I was disqualified. Yeah, that answer is disqualified. So now you got to come up with a different one. So it has to be before 1980. Yes. A movie before 1980 you would want to put into a campaign. Um, hey, David, if you want to break her rule, just say Flash Gordon. Oh, Flash Gordon. Would be I mean, really you might as well say, you'd be saying Star Wars. <laughs> No, because Flash Gordon's like goofy Star Wars. Isn't that the same? Star Wars is goofy Star mind. Wars. <laughs> yeah, but Flash also, Gordon goes Flash like Gordon way goofier. Flash Gordon's an 80s movie, so she said before oh, 1980s. Uh, I was thinking about the, the old Flash Gordon serials. Oh, right. I'm trying to think of one. Um, did the Smurfs have a movie before? Like, uh, a movie? I know they had one yeah. now, like back then. If they may have had a French movie in the, in the um, before 1980. I don't know. Or, or they're not French, imagine, are they? They're like Dutch, aren't they? I think so, yeah. Could you imagine an RPG based on like you playing? Oh, we lost. No, we cut out. We, we lost, lost them. them. Um, sorry, I'm oh. driving. Yeah. 
The yeah. original yeah. work was the flute with six holes in 1958. That's oh, I think I got one. I got one. I got one. I got a perfect one. Mm-hmm. The Beatles movie, The Yellow Submarine. Let's make a Beatles theme RPG game. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That would be cool. That would be cool. All right, David, did you come up with something else? Um, I mean, they're all great ideas. I, I'm I, sorry your feelings you are know, hurt I'm going overrule, no overrule and say Star Wars 100% counts as a pre-1980s I mean, movie. <laughs> I mean, it does. I'm not saying it doesn't. And David, I think it's very fun I mean, that you to be did fair, that. I did, I, you just used the setting. I didn't follow the actual storyline. <laughs> I just wanted some out-of-the-box thinking. That's all. To be, to be fair, Star Wars RPG does already exist. So you, that is you can true. Play that right, you can play that right now, David, if you really yeah, want. You can play that. Oh, man, I have the ultimate answer. Uh, Mary Poppins. Ooh. Oh, that would be so good. So, like, that would be so much fun. <laughs> oh, like, could you imagine, like, the DM basically playing, like, like a Mary Poppins nanny, and you all have to play as, like, the kids? Oh, that would be cool. I I imagine a game where everyone is playing a magical nanny and they have to go on a mission to save a save the ki- the children of a village. Interesting. Are, are you forced to uh, take mm. on the uh, the really really bad Dick Van Dyke accent? Or of course, is, is I that, mean that's that part that of it. You can choose to if you want to. I mean that that would be the fun thing of playing it'd a be, game like that. It'd be kind of hard to be immersed if you didn't. But I think it would be interesting to like at like do it in the world of Mary Poppins, but do it from the perspective of what Mary Poppins is and do like these like this mystical society of magical nannies that go and help children and bring families together and help save these families and um, kind of go into the see how the sausage is made and like create lore behind these magical nannies. You know, you're just giving like a Hollywood exec more on an idea. And now in like 2026, we're going to do like nanny 2027. Solus, do you honestly think Hollywood executives, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. And they're, and they're gonna listen like... to our show to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, what's, what's, no, what's really going to happen is the, in next year, the Brian Luck movie will come out. <laughs> Oh, good God. And then we'll really know that someone's stealing. Yeah, Brian's <laughs> going to accidentally his way into a film deal. <laughs> his name was Brian. And no matter what, where he went, adventure appeared. <laughs> this is the great movie, Brian. Oh, uh, man. I, I do like the challenge of being forced into a movie genre and coming up with a game based on it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you assign something, I could come up with something, but you know, it's like, sort of like what kind of game would you make from it's a mad, 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 mad world? Um, a end of the world type of uh, Mad Max universe esque, uh, I was about to ask, when did the first Mad Max movie come out? Uh, I think it was seventy nine. I could oh, be wrong. I'm, are you not familiar I'm with mad it's mad? a mad, are you not familiar with it's a mad, 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 mad world? No, I've never seen that. Oh, 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 it's fun. Oh, it's it's a race to get um, it's a race to get money that was buried underneath a big W across the country. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Hi, hijinks and Sue. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's a post-apocalyptic a world. It's a post-apocalyptic uh, world. What happens? Uh, there's a race to get the last remaining fuel reserves. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That would be very, a good very, very Mad Maxian. 
and you know you get your car you can out you you get your car you can outfit it however you want you have to be able to beg barter steal fuel along the way what's a what's a movie you would like to challenge the room to come up with a game based on ooh uh hmm. do i make this really hard or do i make it pretty easy That's i don't the question. care <laughs> i'd make it hard mm. make okay. it hard baby okay then that's what they said <sighs> <laughs> oh okay um see most of the like uh, obvious disney ones have been done um oh there we go Ho- the home alone universe <laughs> all right how do you make a game based on the home alone universe matt do you have any ideas for this one i think they're on movie four so i suppose you someone made a universe out of it but uh i i do feel like it would be more of a module than a, a campaign. yeah yeah uh, it, definitely an adventure um i mean people can survive amazing amounts of violence in this universe <laughs> and because it, it would be a game where cartoon violence rules followed <laughs> that makes sense I I mean, think, to, uh, to a certain extent i mean like whenever you're whenever you're in a game uh you know using seed rules um, almost you're you're doing a, a larger version of home alone right so effectively yeah yeah i think a module <laughs> where you're you know it's the the concept of the adventure is like a heist yeah. and you have to um you're well, supposed... you could be playing it from the burglar's perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's like a team of and, thieves. Yeah, going against the mastermind of the house and having to deal with his insidious traps. You know, it would be a good adventure for Blades in the Dark. Ooh. It would be for the Blades in the Dark game. Um, that would be good because you could set up the scene that they're going to rob the castle of this manor. Um, when they're on a train excursion somewhere and the castle's empty, but really the prince is in the castle. You know, I always thought it would be a neat, like, heist mechanic for an RPG? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know. Okay, so what I thought would be a neat heist mechanic in an RPG, like a tabletop game, would be, you know how, like, heist movies, how they always do, like, the pre-thing of, like, they're showing you what they're going to do, and it's, like, the whole theater of the mind, them, like, robbing the bank or whatever? Uh, that'd be really neat is if like there was a heist the game was like okay tell me what you're gonna do and like act it out almost like in those movies and if you can act it out really well and make it look really good maybe like bonus to the roles when you actually do the heist yeah, that's cool yeah that 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 that's a good tip for like any kind of game giving people bonuses if they role play well i i i really like how blades of the dark handles it because blades in the dark their system allows you to do heists in a very similar way to non-linear movies where instead of sitting down and doing the planning, the players just start doing the heist. Oh, yeah. All the planning is described in flashbacks. Yeah, you can interrupt and go, well, we planned for this, you see. (laughs) Yeah, and then you roll retroactively. So it gets the game moving much faster, and it lets you do twists, like on Ocean's Eleven-type twists, where you're like, no, what we were the we were the guards the entire time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Blades of the Dark is a great system. I've never seen Ocean's Eleven. Really? Oh, surprise! Wait, huh. no, I'm not. He never watches yep. any movies, guys. I know. Oh, this I'm is true. Guy. This is true. Um, I I do like this game. I like coming up with a with something based on a movie. I um I am interested in um taking non-fantasy ideas and implementing them into fantasy. I think one of the most common tropes that's often used in stories, especially role-playing games, is like the MacGuffin. And I think 
a lot of that comes from things like the Maltese Falcon, and the Maltese Falcon is a big influence on storytelling, and you see that in role-playing games all the time. Like, you start with the adventure as you're searching for the missing blah blah, mm. but you never find it, and it never ends up being the actual point of the adventure. Mm, that's mm-hmm. good MacGuffin. <laughs> what, does anybody could think of any good examples of a MacGuffin in a movie or book or whatever that would be good to use that kind of inspiration in a in a game. I mean, Indiana Jones really uh, has basically a MacGuffin per movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the the uh, the the second one has two of them with the Cross of Coronado. That is the MacGuffin of all MacGuffins. Yeah. Might as well just call him Indiana MacGuffin right there. I think. Right? <laughs> oh. God, I haven't they seen this. They don't belong in the museum. No, indeed, they belong with the with their right culture. Leave them alone. When you say the second one, which one are you referring to? Are you talking chronologically or release? No, I'm talking uh, chronologically. I, okay. I'm not talking the second one. I'm talking the third one. Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. Last Crusade, Last Crusade. Yeah, when, okay. he's, when he finds the Cross of Coronado in the Utah desert. Yeah. Yeah, there's two. Yeah, that's the first MacGuffin. And then... I miss the MacGuffin. You know who does MacGuffins really well, and I really like it? They did this especially really good in the early seasons, was... Um, uh, supernatural. Yeah. Oh my so, like, god. Oftentimes they'd be like a villain, and they'd be like, "I don't know how to beat this," and they'd be like, "You have to go get the fuck the, the horn of Jimmy yeah. like yeah, stupid ass thing." But uh, what I like about it is like it never the MacGuffin wasn't the central focus; it was the villain. So the MacGuffin almost became like a like a plot B. Yeah. So it wasn't See, like the center of the whole thing. One thing I liked about how they handled that kind of thing in Supernatural is it would be like, you need to get this kind of meteor, and then they have to break into some rich guy's house to steal it, and it ends up being such a mundane, like, they're monster hunters, but they have to, like, rob some guy to get the thing that kills the demon. I've always liked that. Yeah, I get it. Um, oh, shit, again, I was going to say something that just disappeared. Fuck. It's the heat. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, Warehouse 13 was another one that was literally all about MacGuffins. Oh, Warehouse 13. I always wondered if that show was inspired by the warehouse at the end of Raiders of I, the Lost pro- Ark. Probably. I think it was. I honestly think it was. But it's a really great show if you haven't seen it. And yeah, and it, was I, in the, I, it was in the Eureka universe. Yes, yes, it was. And I want the, I want to be able to play and I want to either make people that work at the warehouse that have to go out and collect our artifacts or have something happen where that gets included in a game. That would be awesome. Warehouse 13 would be a good thing to include in a game. Have you ever heard of the World Serpent Inn? Yes. Um, I don't remember where it was introduced, but it was it would started in AD&D First Edition, and it was just mm-hmm. an inn. Like, your players will open. They'll be, they'll be exploring a ruin, and there'll be a door in the ruin yeah. that they open, and there's a bustling inn happening... Yeah. Behind it's, the door, it's, it's the restaurant at the end of the world, at the edge of the yeah. universe. And then when they leave the inn, who knows where they end up? But it there there was a first edition adventure book, and it was like every adventure was something that came from being at the World Serpent Den, and we had a lot of fun with that. I think we added GM who used it very sparingly, and we entered the World Serpent Inn randomly twice. And but we had so much fun with like it was a good way for him if he didn't have a crafted story made he could run something pre-published by transporting us to the world serpent den and having us do like paladin in hell or something like that is that uh where there's like a podcast called hello from the magic tavern is that is that where that gets inspired from because 
my I thought that was a tavern in like I'm sure that, that is influence. I, I don't know. I I I think Hello from the Magic Tavern is more like he gets transported there from a portal behind a Burger King and ends up in just a magic tavern in a fantasy world where the World Serpent Inn is sort of like the TARDIS type of thing, where it's like this it's this plain traveling tavern inn that you could end it's, up there from anywhere, where in yeah, Hello it's, from yeah. the Magic Tavern. It's the world, not the tavern that he's in, because he's in the world of Flume. Yeah, the the. Oh, I thought I thought the tavern existed out of time, and like people came from all sorts of different places there. No, yeah. no, it just happens to be a tavern that's in the town that he. T- the The actual magical portal is behind a Burger King. Oh, okay. okay. I'm right. I'm gonna break Erica's rules because it seems like we're just pulling from different places that we want to be RPGs. I want the Dark Tower series to have its own RPG. I think it does. I think it does. Yeah, it does. Wait, it really does? Yeah, it's a D20 yeah. system, but it's public. Oh. It's a third-party publisher. I don't know who it is. Oh, I need to check this out now. I yeah, it's not actually so affiliated with Wizards or Dungeons & Dragons or anything. It's, it's, it's published by a third-party. Oh, okay. I need to check this out now because that's like my favorite book series. Yeah, I think there's a whole Wheel of Time RPG, too. Different. I know, I know they're different, but still. Um, like everything about that book series just screams role playing game. Like it just yeah. Does. I mean, my favorite non D twenty system is the the Cortex rule system, which is Serenity, Supernatural. Uh, the I think they even did a um oh, shit um Mass Effect Mass Effect uh universe version of. It looks like a lot of the websites that hosted the Dark Tower games don't really exist anymore mm. but um here um i will share a link in the chat won't you review it later and i'll make sure that i share that with the listeners as well so there's a article on dark tower stuff for tabletop role-playing games nice. thank you for that little rabbit hole oh. rabbit hole rabbit hole oh the calcium basic role-playing system okay savage worlds uh, okay, got it. I, I've always thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, for, for, for me, like, like uh, I, I've always been fairly obsessed with movies and TV shows, but, but you know, as long as I've been alive. Um, but as long as I've been gaming, I've had absolutely zero desire to play any of the gaming systems to come out of it. I've never played Star Wars or Serenity or any of mm. the other ones, even though I respect, you know, the idea that they're out there, I respect it. That, but I've always just been, I've always stuck to Pathfinder and D and D for some reason. I, I, I don't know why uh, that passion hasn't crossed over, even though I do actually bring ideas from that media uh, over into to those things. But yeah, no, I get so it. I, um, I can't figure out why. Yeah, that I can understand that. Especially like the non D twenty systems, they can be a little tough for people that are used to D twenty systems to play. Because I, I think playing in a world versus playing an inspired world is a whole different level of a whole different version of creativity and it's mm. like do you want to play in something more unique that you can make your own or do you want to play in something that you've actually seen on that has you know that yeah. has, you know it, it has... might take away from that feeling of creation where you you've actually seen it before it's i think a good way to put it is like why some people don't play games based in real world it's it's similar to that it's because we've seen it right matt yeah, exactly. Yeah. That sense. yeah, I I remember first edition AD&D had a series of real world campaigns. They were the green books. 
Yep. They had the Crusades and they had Rome and all sorts of stuff. I was so uninterested in that. As I've gotten older and played more games, playing real world stuff as one offs would be interesting to me because when I was a kid, I didn't know yeah. you could play one offs. I thought there was just campaigns and that's it. But um, I, I never understood why anyone would want to play something like historical that you're interested in when you have the ability to throw fireballs and make up your own shit. <laughs> yeah. I can I can respect that mentality. I mean I don't necessarily agree, but I can respect it for sure. I think um, it's something I really I, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Stolas. No, go ahead. I, I, I was it, just gonna say I, go ahead. I think it's something I've matured into that I'm more interested in playing more historic things than I used to be. What about you go ahead, Stolas? I was just gonna say I, I really wish I'd actually been here for the beginning because my what's nerdy with you would have actually fit this conversation. So perfectly. Well, why don't we share it during the bonus episode? We're going to wrap this up and switch over to that since you jumped in. Um, But uh, I just want to say music, movies, TV are huge creative influences for writing or what we've been talking about, role-playing. I have to honor Gary Gygax for coming up with the idea of the Appendix N. You know, back in the day, this was a good way to bring people into the game. Like, if you'd never you know, nobody had ever GM before. So it's sort of like, how do you do that? And there were songs you could listen to and movies you could watch and kind of get an idea. We've all played camp. We've all played those campaigns that we've done, you know, on the fly that are like almost word for word. The, the adventure text of a movie seen a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It, it, it's everybody's done that once, but the, the the idea like well my first campaign i played is half the monsters and stories were lifted directly from some novel exactly it worked on me because they were novels i hadn't read yeah. uh, the um so i i appreciated that conversation matt thank you for joining us um hosts as usual mm-hmm. um i have been super vegan brian i've joined by kirsty smurfarka bye david Bye, everybody. Be about the third. And I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> Stole us. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Love you. And um, our very special guest, Matt, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. This has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Thanks for listening to our new show.